Hello and welcome to the Be Less Dumb podcast. It's basically me chatting to a bunch of coaches who are more intelligent than I am and work in different areas than I am used to. I'm just going to ask them a bunch of questions and try to become a little less dumb in the process. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to today's podcast. In this episode, we are talking to the basketball crew once again. And this is the kind of fifth uh, episode in our return to play, return to training series that we're looking at. Um, so let me just quickly reintroduce our basketball crew once again. We'll start with James, who has an MSc in strength and conditioning and has worked on Irish under 16 men's team and has, you know, played levels quite, played the sports at a quite high level and has kind of been coaching and involved for the best part of a decade now. Second up, we have uh, Michael Stack, who has an, a BSc in strength and conditioning and is currently working with Scotland basketball with their under 16 setup and had previously worked with an international setup with myself. And then third and last but not least, and always last but not least, we have uh, Declan Berry. And Declan has now, you know, been working with Basketball Ireland for about three years now, multiple under-18 women's team and, a, and under-17 women's team. So we're going to break it down into three different parts today. We're going to look at, you know, uh, strength training, speed training, um, monitoring, stuff like this, all the aspects. So we're going to start with James. And James, do you want to just give us an idea or a kind of broad idea on what you think? Maybe you can touch on plyometrics as well a little bit. But mostly what you think in a broad scheme players should be looking at when they return to strength training. Yeah. How you doing, lads? Good to be back doing this. Um, so I think, you know, just because it is a kind of a weird time and I don't know, some people have probably done a long off-season, some people haven't. Um, you know, I think return to play, the most important thing and the end goal is really, you know, what's going to make me a better player? Um, what training is going to keep injuries away? So I think... You know, right now, if you're, if you're limited on time, if you, if you look at basketball generally, you know, you obviously have to do all the stuff that the lads are going to talk about with conditioning and then speed work. And um, but I think the strength and power work really underpins um, so much of what strength and conditioning can do for you as a basketball player, um, whether you're young or, or, or an old player. And, uh, you know, time is tight now. You maybe haven't kept up of your training. And now you're trying to fit in all these different things and your, your coach is telling you or you're, you're seeing online that you have to be doing the speed work, you have to be doing all these different things. And I just think it's it's kind of important just to remember that, you know, it's, it's finite how much different training you can do optimally and, you know, how much there eventually there is going to be some interference if you're trying to fit everything in. So if you're, you know, you're telling the body, I want to get, you know, faster, you want to get stronger, fitter, more agile, whatever it is, um, some adaptions are going to take a backseat. So... I think just from my kind of point of view, if you do fall behind, don't don't worry. Don't rush into everything at once. I think, you know, the Irish season's probably end of September. I think I've heard some players talk about it quite depends if you have cup or if you've under 18 cup or under 20 cup. Um, but I really would, if you're in a rush now, try and prioritize strength and power training. Um, I, in my opinion, anyways, um, if, if you do have to make that decision because, you know, sure, first game of the season, you might not be in the best you know, best fitness or the best shape, and you might not feel as smooth agility-wise or how you're moving, but at least you've, you've done some work to kind of keep injuries away. You're not going to have some, uh, hopefully, not, not anything catastrophic early on in the season. So, you know, the fitness and agility will come. I'm not saying you should take a backseat completely, but, you know, bottom line, the best way, you know, to get better condition for basketball is going to be playing basketball. So a couple of weeks of training and a few games, you're going to be feeling a lot better with those kind of fitness wise and you know how you're moving but the, the strength and power work really has to be built off the court and it needs needs time to be you know developed and to transfer into your playing ability um but that, that's kind of that's just a scenario hopefully you're not in and you have been doing work where, where you can fully prepare that's just if you're in a bit of a rush kind of a bit of an idea that I, i've been thinking about 
Yeah, for sure. It's, it's really important, as you said. I mean, you said it underpins it, and you know, you're you're having this whole foundation of strength, as, especially going back into such an explosive sport like basketball. So, I guess the, the general kind of next question from that is, what are your kind of general guidelines for strength training to that return to play? Yeah, so I'll kind of I'll lay out, you know, what I think, and it is going to be general. You know, a lot of I think you're having all these different sports on right now, and a lot of it's going to be crossover. There's a, you know, similarities between a lot of preseasons, and it's kind of only till the. Uh, or off season, but only till the real, like just before season, that things can get a bit more specific towards basketball. But uh, yeah, so you know, if you if you, in a general term, if if you get time, you're going to start with a with a postseason. Uh, I guess that doesn't really matter right now. We're so close to a basketball season, um, so the off season kind of starts. And you know, generally, if we're looking at guidelines, you can up to 16 weeks if you had the time. Um, um, but you know, it can be as and it's always going to start with a, a general preparation phase or a GPP. Of, of two to three weeks, but that, that length will depend on what you've done, you know, how your postseason or I guess how the, the last few months were, where you're making use of a uh, time off. So, you know, if you're just starting now, it could be, you know, five weeks GPP, or if you've done, if you've been tipping away at, you know, home workouts and things, you could do a, a two weeks of general preparation before you move on in, in the in the way you go. But that, that GPP is, is really, really important. And it's, you know, a way to get body back to training and working on some, you know, real strength endurance and building a base. So it's important, you know, it sets you up, increases your work capacity, um, allows you to do more work and, and higher intensity in the future training cycles, which is, you know, what we're working towards. We're working towards the end goal, which is the start of the season. Um, and it, for a younger athlete, the GPP could be the whole off season. You know, you don't need to, if you're new to training, you could do eight, 10 weeks of just this general training to get your body ready. And that's going to be good enough to build strength and, and build um, some muscle of, of what you need as a, an untrained athlete. So, you know, that guideline, I think, during during GPP, you want maybe two to three gym sessions per week. Um, and, you know, keeping it simple with the, you know, three sets of the eight to 12 reps and we're working around, you know, 70, 75%. Um, if, if, you know, that's, and you could, as a young athlete, you can stay on that for the whole time. You're going to get stronger. You're going to be, and that's going to transfer over to your sport. But as a more experienced athlete, you might, you know, cut that short and get onto the more max strengths. Or the later, later cycles, um, but that you know that range can go higher and lower. There's a lot of room to work with, a lot of different things you can do, uh, a lot of different ways you can train. Uh, the most important thing is kind of a gradual increase of load and intensity across that time. Um, you know, at the same time, I guess the lads will, will talk about it, but there will be you know endurance work has to go in here. It is a kind of a if you are going to put endurance work in, it's a good time to do it for working volume. You're trying to stress the body with volume, so you might be able to put that in here or. You know, even a, even a better way might be even doing some hit work. You know, it's been shown that hit work in a gym, you can really work in your aerobic capacity while you're still working on this. You can combine the two. If you're short for time, that could be an option right now, kind of circuit work or hit, hit kind of training. Um, home workout's definitely viable. It's definitely a lot of people you could have done this at home. You know, you can use to make things harder and progress things. You've got ISO work, eccentric, you know, circuits, cluster sets, um, med balls and bands, all, all stuff like that is going to be good, you know, body weight, even explosive circuit training. It's just, uh, you know, working on muscular endurance and not, not going into the, the heavy lifting yet, you know, give it, give a few weeks to, to build a base. Um, one program, actually, I, I kind of, I was looking it up and I've, I've used it briefly before, but it's, it's one by Dr. Yeses. It's, it's called the, the one by 20 program. Um, and it's essentially, you know, one set of 20, you know, with some warm sets in, but you do one, one working set of 20 reps per exercise. So you'd only do one set of 20, but you're going to do a lot of different exercises and covering every muscle and different planes of motion in the body. And that's, that could be a really, if you don't have weights, 
you know, you're really working the volume side there and it could be a great idea for, uh, for a GPP for, uh, for athletes out there, you know, a few weeks of doing that. Um, you can definitely find it online, I think different programs, or if you want to message any of us, we could, we could help you with that. Um, but it, you know, it really does depend on what you did in your postseason. Um, just I think remember to, to focus in the body or focus in a general way, covering all the muscle groups, um, all planes of motion, you know, be broad, um, the more focused work will come later on in the, in the off season or preseason. Um, plyo wise, you know, you don't really have to start that yet. You know, you're probably better off focusing on just building the base of strength, but you can start on some landing work, um, some force absorption, really just low level, uh, low level jumps. Uh, when your plyos do come in, whether it is in, you know, this phase or maybe later in the, in the power phase, it's important to start all the start broad and extensive with your plyos, low intensity, uh, box jumps are good things, landings, and then the real intense stuff will, uh, will come later on. So that's kind of, I guess, that's the, the first phase that, you know, right now, if we have, let's say we're 10 weeks away, you know, try and do two to three weeks of just a general prep. Um, and then, you know, as, as the, the off-season uh, or the, the pre-season moves on, you know, or sorry, the off-season moves on, you're going to work into a more of a strength or a max strength focus. Um, and, you know, this is going to happen as you're moving towards preseason. There's always this play between intensity and volume. So we're starting higher volume with our strength work and even with our plyos. And then over the, the course of the preseason, you're going to be doing, um, you know, I guess moving towards more intensity and lowering the volume. So in this strength phase, you know, we slowly increase the weight we're lifting and, you know, decrease our volume and add more rest. So focus on max strength is going to be kind of working that three to five rep set. You still have some assistance work, but, you know, we're talking about the main lifts. We're going to try and work, uh, work strength on a few key areas. Um, and it's just, you know, this the goal, simple goal of these few weeks is going to be to build uh, the athlete's ability to produce force. Um, you know, keep it simple. There's no kind of time constraint on the movement. Just pick a few exercises. Um, I think you know, for basketball players, some of the big things are calf raises, <clears throat> whether it's seated or standing, um, split, split squats, step-ups, uh, bench press. So a few things like that, just work on them over a few weeks, but pushing the more intense uh, intent, uh, higher intensity level to work in more caring more about how much you're lifting and kind of less on the, on the volume side, but all, always, always keep that quality as well. So, you know, we're working above that 80%, um, if we can, you can, you can do some overload stuff, eccentric overload to kind of add to the, the muscle and, and strength development. And that's all going to also, you know, build that base again with tendon health and working on the stretch shortening cycle and, you know, isometric work can be good here. Just kind of getting ready for, training the ability of deceleration and your agility later on if you, you know you want to build that base um some power work could come here at the end you know we yeah, olympic lifts could come in if, if that's something you do and if you have the time to do it and the time to train with it um you know you're working on force production there at a, at a heavy weight and also the absorption on the catch so you know yeah kind of in general you know three it could be as little as three weeks or maybe eight weeks depending on Kind of what kind of athlete you are if you need strength a lot more you're going to stay in this phase this max strength phase a bit more if you don't need it if you're already you know a pretty strong person or a pretty strong athlete you can move on to the power phase uh, a bit quicker yeah so, sure yeah. sorry got keep going keep going sorry no uh just just then kind of you know after that i guess we're we're getting into power phase and which really you know which looks similar to what i guess people look at what basketball athletes are you know it's, it's a power sport pretty much um so you really want to, in this power phase, you're working exclusively, you know, explosive strength qualities. Um, you know, still working the low volume, building the max strength and some lifts, but weights should be staying, you know, the weights should be staying over the 80% level, then adding in a range of power work across the, the force velocity curve. 
with a, with a big focus on rate of force development. So kind of really pushing that curve to the right with all the different areas of uh, velocity training. So whether it's light loads or it's medium loads, but all lifted with speed and the focus on, on velocity. Um, things like complexes, you can come in here. Things like, you know, heavy back squat followed by a hurdle jumps um, or, you know, depth jumps. Uh, as the, and, you know, as the power cycle moves on, loads will decrease and explosive velocity work will kind of take over. Um, and this is the real kind of transition into the preseason work. You know, preseason is then really focused on the on the fast stuff. So this is that bridge between the max strength and moving into the preseason. Um, you're also going to kind of, in this phase, really work on the stretch shortening cycle ability. So plyos will take a, a big jump up. Uh, things like even accentuated eccentric work. So something like, you know, you're doing a, a dumbbell drop jump when you land, release the dumbbells and then jump up. Just going to stress the, the stretch shortening cycle. Uh, med ball throws. And then, as I said, yeah, your, your plyo work's going to step up, you know, working the fast and slow stretch shortening cycle in, um, you know, in all planes of direction um, and gradually increasing kind of that intensity and that jump count. And then just, I know I've kind of gone on a, a bit here, just a, a bit more to get through. If we, then the last phase, just before season, we're talking pre-season, a few weeks to kind of really bridge the gap between, um, you know, your basketball performance and then the physical qualities you've kind of worked on during the off-season. Um, so really getting more specific with your work, um, sport, you know, sport, basketball as a sport is, you know, demands on high velocity and is, you know, there is position, uh, position specific things you could be doing. You know, you could be looking at slightly mimicking some key movements like a single leg takeoff or quarter squats for rebounds, keeping the weight high, obviously, uh, step back plyos or drop jump to single leg lateral bound things that kind of, you don't want to get too specific on it because, the real transfer is going to be on the court anyways when you start playing again and you're training. But, you know, some things in a gym you can do to kind of let you work on key movements. Because, um, you know, the basketball training is going to take priority here. Um, so it's really just about peaking for that season. So it kind of reduces the amount of training you're going to be doing in the gym, maybe by two or by one total body uh, session per week and just focusing on power and transfer to the basketball performance. So low volume, but intensity is, uh, you know, really kept high. Things like pack training, cluster sets, complex training. Um, even something like French contrast is a great option here. Um, so if, if, if you, and no one's heard of that, it's, you know, you, you pick something like, you pick four exercises and group them together where you're working that full force uh, velocity curve. Something like, you know, at first you do a max lift, let's say a back squat. Next exercise, do like a plyo exercise and then try some kind of weighted velocity-based movement like a squat jump with a barbell. And then finally a reactive or a, and overspeed components. So you're just working all areas of the, the, the force velocity curve. Um, still do your assistance work during this phase. You know, you still have to work on hypertrophy and muscular endurance. Do, you know, a few exercises each session just to, you don't want to lose all that work you've done. Um, but yeah, kind of, that's kind of, you know, a broad outline of, of what you need to do for, uh, to get ready to go back on court. So that's kind of in conclusion, you know, biggest thing to remember is to, to play that volume and intensity start with a higher volume and then as the weeks go on you get closer to the season they get more specific and more intense working on you know movements that are you know really going to help you on the court uh, yeah nice yeah so the, the, i mean the, the real takeaway from that is like you said you know get get your base first and then move it along the force velocity curve where you can it might take a little bit longer now like you like you said again going back to what depends on what people have done it might take a little bit longer to get you to the state or you're where you start maybe moving to your maximal lifts then across the voice velocity curve but you know that that might be kind of what even like you said as well if you're if you're a younger athlete you might spend that whole strength phase in gpp and getting that getting that foundation yes. is there i know you kind of touched on quite a lot there is there any other key areas that you think people should focus on when it comes to strength training 
Uh, yeah, kind of just on that, you know, there is there's a general guideline, but it's, it's kind of what you need to do. You know, as a young athlete, you could just, you know, what's going to get you better for the sport? You don't have to do max training or max strength training if you're already are pretty strong. You can touch on it and move on to the other stuff. Um, so, you know, like every player is not going to follow the same program. There's going to be differences and, you know, it's going to depend on your age, um, your training age, your know, injury history, uh, and then how, how much postseason, all that kind of stuff you have. Um, so that, that's going to really depend on how long you spend in each each phase of, of what you need. And I think I mentioned it, I mentioned it there, but for me, a great tool that, you know, when I was kind of studying um, S&C that kind of really stood out was the, the force velocity curve and just um, it's something that kind of really simplified gym work, you know, uh, trying to, you know, there's so many different things you can do in a gym. Um, this can, I found a really easy way of kind of simplifying where you need to work or possible areas that you need to, to work on during the off season. So let's say, you know, as an athlete, you're, you know, especially in a, in a power sport like basketball, you're only pushing that, that curve all the way to the right at all levels. You know, power is, you know, basketball is a power sport and power is made up of, uh, you know, force and velocity. So we're hitting the max strength and all the way down through the, you know, strength, speed, peak power and down to the max velocity or what the lads are talking about, you know, speed training. You know, we need to work on all of them and keep pushing that, that curve to the right. Um, as, as long as it's helping your game, you know, if you're already pretty strong, there's no need to push the, the max strength too much. So, like, you know, let's say you are a center, you're really strong, uh, and, you know, you, you have that, that force in that power equation, so maybe velocity is going to be something you need to work on a bit more, and you could uh, probably benefit from extending your max strength. Uh, or, or, sorry, the opposite, then, if, you, if you're a fast guard and, you, you know, you feel you're not strong enough, your, your goal is quick on the court, maybe you could benefit from extend, extending your max strength phase a bit longer and, and pushing that the top of that curve, um, spending more time pushing the top of that curve. I think, finally, then, kind of just more specific exercise-wise, some things that all basketballers should be, you know, working on strength-wise is going to be a single leg strength, especially your quad work because it's, you know, it's so important for quick jumps with limited knee bend um, and the calf work as well. I mentioned earlier, you know, get them strong. They're, they're the link to really every movement in basketball. Get the ankle strong, the calf and uh, and your quads as well. Core work, obviously, you're going to t- you're going to work out all the time, you know, dynamically and statically. You know, that, that's something that works in the background. Um, and you know, you need upper body strength. You know, it's it's not going to affect your shot. You need to be you need a, a strong pressing uh, strength. So, you know, your bench press for your power work. And then, you know, a whole lot of assistance work for the upper back and shoulders, just kind of working on injury prevention. You, you, you know, no matter what the, the phase, you're still working on everything. It's just some things take a priority over the, the course of it. So in the background, you're still going to work on some assistance work. Um, but, uh, and then actually, finally, the main thing is, you know, working all planes of motion. Basketball is just so unpredictable put so much stretch into the joints and you, you need to be strong in all positions. So especially the groin and the hip area. So things like lateral squats and lunges, just getting out of that, uh, of one plane and just kind of exploring all the different areas. I think that's really important for basketball players and strength wise. Uh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, that, that's, that's some really good stuff. There. You're going through actually quite a lot of detail and you know, like I said earlier, where, where it comes from at the very base and where you want to end up. And that's important to realize that, you know, logical progression and progressive overload is really important, but you know you have to figure out where you are right now before you start planning what, you, what you're going to do with your strength training. So, yeah, exactly. thanks for that, Mike. Also, James, even Jesus, Jesus. Um, so we'll, we'll move on to Mike now. Uh, Mike, you're going to talk to us a little bit about conditioning. Um, what kind of what kind of conditioning strategies would you recommend to start on people getting back into you know if they haven't been running or doing anything for a period of time? Yeah, sure. So again. Um... I would just kind of give some considerations first and then kind of break it down. So it's kind of like similar to what James 
said earlier, kind of we have to ask ourselves what the players did during kind of the extended period off. Kind of, did they do some aerobic work or did they just sit at home and do nothing? I guess that would kind of inform the decisions that you would a lot of decisions you make as a coach. Um, and again, this will allow you to kind of individually kind of set out your programs based on what the players need and what the, and what they've done. Um, again, it's gonna it's gonna be important for a coach to take into consideration what the athlete has done individually due to the kind of the facilities they've had, if they've had like space to do some runs or if they had like access to any coaches and again evaluate this this work. Um I suppose our goal is to kind of progressively get the players back up to kind of game shape or game fitness to put it put it um more simply as safely as possible. Um and again we're kind of in re- in different regions it will be different so like going to have to consider factors like social distancing and what kind of how many group how many people you can have in a group or um, how many coaches you can have um, and I guess the main thing we're going to have to look at is how long we have our conditioning phases how so how long are we out from competitions and I guess for for basketball players in particular I would use kind of a mix of on and off feet conditioning so to give players time to kind of slowly integrate back into getting use of the feel of a hard surface of the court um, again, if players haven't been on a court in three or four months, this will kind of help prevent any stresses on the joints that will um, lead to possible injuries. And what I would say is maybe what we're trying to do with these sessions is separate them from our team training where possible so we can kind of reduce reduce the effects of fatigue and the chances of injuries. And we um, I'll speak about it a bit more, but kind of a mix of high and low days where you kind of have your high intensity sessions and kind of lower intensity sessions. Um, and with these as well, what I would try and do is kind of microdose the stimulus in so it doesn't lead to um, kind of severe soreness. And again, you're just ke- kind of keeping it pretty simple with these drills. You, they don't need to be overcomplicated or confusing. Um, but I guess when it comes specifically to basketball, I would tend to kind of split the conditioning into three parts. So kind of your basic conditioning, which would be just, again, even before you get onto a court to give you that baseline of aerobic work. And you kind of have some specific stuff where you can start introducing some drills and then competitive conditioning where you can kind of get uh, players together in groups to to, um, to do some kind of scrimmages, things like that. Nice, nice. Yeah, so then I guess that's going to what, you, what would you recommend? Are you, are you a tempo run kind of guy? Are you a mass guy? What kind of stuff would you recommend? Yeah, so um, I would be a, a big fan of tempo, drill, tempo runs, actually. Um, so for this for these tempo drills, I mean, it's really going to depend on on your athlete, so how so how kind of aerobically fit they are. But again, if anybody is not familiar with kind of tempo runs, it's basically essentially interval runs directed at building work capacity. And again, it can be split into two different categories. So you have your um, intensive and extensive. So the intensive run, runs are typically kind of will be your higher 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 days um, for the run at faster velocities with kind of shorter recovery periods um, and that kind of uh, conditions your body to adapt to kind of the accumulation of lactic acid. Um, these these drills would kind of more be aimed towards athletes who are working in transition zones between aerobic and anaerobic energy systems. Kind of, so if they're working between 40 and 60 seconds um, and this kind of, it, it will help to um, build up kind of some strength endurance and again, the tolerance to lactate lactate um 
lactic acid and kind of build your endurance performance. As what James spoke about earlier, we're looking to, to build that uh, endurance capacity. Nice, nice. And then kind of, um, I'll touch on a little bit on the intensive then. So the intensive is kind of strictly aerobic. Um, this will kind of promote your general fitness development and gives you a bit more time for recovery in between. So, um, and these, with these sessions uh, would be ideal for just coming back to your basic level of condition. So typically you would kind of train these on soft surfaces or grass. Um, uh, and then you kind of, this, these kind of sessions I would, would um, have a good bit of benefit for basketball players. So you can avoid, as I said, they're on grass majority of the time so you can avoid the kind of high impact forces um and then you can going back to what james is speaking about you can integrate kind of other activities into this so you can do your runs and you can integrate some of your strength stuff so your may ball slams push-ups stuff like that and then you can they're easier to kind of quantify the run times and you can manage and measure your distances a bit better so say for instance you do a 60 meter run do five 10 push-ups rest 60 seconds you can go again Nice, nice. And then, are you, are you a big fan of, of tempo over mass runs? Would you? So people are looking at where they, um, you know, we're talking about basketball players, right? So tempo runs generally they're longer distances, and now you talk about intensive and extensive and stuff like that. Um, if if there isn't, say, uh, if there isn't, say, an availability to be able to do that on, on brass, what would you recommend when it comes to say mass runs and stuff like that? Again, yeah, if you haven't got the ability to do that, then for sure you can do, you can do your mass runs where you're doing. You have your set distances for, say, for example, you're going to do the, the length of the court. So you could have maybe your your 30 meter your 30 meter sprint, and then try and complete that maybe in 10 to 12 seconds, um, and then complete the same amount of rest time, and then you can go again, repeat that maybe five five six times, and, and build from there. Yeah, the, the only problem with you know me and you both know this. The only problem with mass is it is quite you know fatiguing. You know, I, I'd much be a bigger fan of, of tempo runs. But um, like majority of like people that are going to be training, they're probably going to be trying to like like James touched on earlier, probably have, like a shorter time period of training. So they might end up having to do it all on a basketball court, or I don't even know what the story is right now between getting into basketball courts over in Ireland. Um, but uh, I know that some people have been working out outdoor courts as well, so that might be the option that they're at. Um, if you are say Mike, say if you are in like a shortened time period, where would you put it in the schedule? Like if you say if you are doing basketball maybe three times a week, I'm throwing you on the spot a little bit here, but would you put it at the end of your session? Would you put it at the start? Where would you put it? I mean, what for me, again, if you can't, ideally, um, you would try and split it from your sessions if possible. But, I mean, um, if you didn't have that option, then I would probably say to try and put it at the start of the session because, again, you want to be you want to be nice and fresh with these. And, and I suppose the advantage of these is you can actually add in you can add in some of your strength stuff as well on top of that. So ideally, you wouldn't want to be pre-fatigued going into these. Um, so what I would say ideally is try and get them in as, 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 at the start. Or even if you had the opportunity to say to do, if you had train, if you're training session in the evening, you could try and get them in in the morning. Um, they don't tend to be too um, time-consuming. And again, uh, you will have a kind of a longer recovery period in between these. So I mean, they're they don't tend to be too fatiguing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Is there anything else you want to touch on in the fact or conditioning? Um, I guess, um, yeah, I spoke about it a little bit um, in terms of when splitting up. Um, so for your tempo runs, really, that would be kind of your basic, basic level of conditioning before you even got maybe onto a court. So again, you can bring it on a little bit more when you go into more specific conditioning, which be would be including kind of, you can bring the ball into play, 
So you can integrate these into your training sessions. So you can bring the ball into play where you do maybe two or three uh, minute intervals at a time where you're working on just basic um, running and shooting drills in a one versus zero scenario at full court just to kind of get the feel of the court underneath you again. Um, again, this is just like at a nice, nice moderate pace. Um, it would be kind of a nice one to include just so players, again, if players haven't been exposed to these kind of forces for a longer period of time. And again, if you wanted a, a if you did if you were short on time, you could modify these sessions just to kind of shorter intervals, maybe 10, 10 to thirty seconds at a time, and you can add in other specific movements like shuffles, dribbles, penetration, and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of starting out with that most like, you know, just like with the strength training as well, you start with that kind of most basic conditioning and then trying to make it maybe a little bit more sport specific. And it's an interesting point as well between you talking about, you know, doing it outside and grass and that slightly softer surface before you get back onto that hard court. Because I'm sure the outdoor courts are all concrete as well, which is not going to be great for, for athletes. So if they end up having to do their conditioning on a court like that, you know, mass runs might not be the best option. Um, thank, thanks a lot for that, Mike. I guess, like, like always, Deck, you always end up at the end. I'm, I'm always sorry, mate, but we'll, we're, you're going to move on. Then we're going to talk about speed and agility. Let's kind of touch on, I guess, let's, why don't we touch on first of all, you know, we're talking about basketball where the court is, you know, less than 30 meters long. So we're going to start by talking about um, accelerations and, and how that works. And how would you how would you go about getting people back into running high speeds again? Yeah. Um, so, well, th thanks, yeah. It's a, it's nice to be last again. I, I get to kind of <laughs> the boys and all their um, good information. And then I get to kind of uh, give my little piece at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's mad because you get thinking with the lads and you're kind of, your mind wanders about how I could plan my strength session or how I could plan my conditioning session and then you have to talk about speed. But it's good though. <laughs> That's um, actually so true. <laughs> so uh, when, when you're coming into, and my kind of idea with speed and, and everything really, condition and strength, like kind of err on the side of caution early on because again, you don't know what people have been doing. And you can ask them and they could tell you most people are going to say, yeah, I was running four times a week and I was... You know, at my home gym set up and I'm doing that four times a week and I'm, you know, going flat. You do uh, one run with them and, they, you know, they fall flat in their face. They're not able to do anymore. You know, and that's a general thing. Like, people will tell you, they probably multiply by three what they're actually doing. So it's always just air on the side of caution um, and get your kind of injury reduction stuff in there as best you can. Like, or, you know, if maybe your first 20 minutes of any session you do, really start to go on your kind of single leg stuff and your movement stuff and then your stretches and stuff. Just to make sure that they're, they're nice and free starting off. Um, and then, you know, you're breaking your speed. Now, I'd always have speed and agility at the start of a lot of my sessions for the whole year. So nothing will change there as we get back into return to play. Like, I'm still going to do my speed and agility technique stuff. Start off with your linear speed, obviously, enough, um, and then break into your, your agility, your change of direction, then your agility. Like, So the, during the break, like, the fundamental principles of speed technique, they might have been lost during the break. Like, um, so even though you're training all year, you know, it's, sometimes it can be very quickly forgotten uh, what exactly you want them, your players to do from your speed technique, like your arm movements, your leg movements. Kind of, they might get back into you know bad habits. So you, you should really start at the very start, start very very start again, and just see how your players are in that regard. And it may that be that they haven't forgot anything. You know, they might be fine, but you know, then you can progress a lot quicker up through the phase. Now I know you don't have an awful lot of time, but at the same time, there's no point starting this you know, level nine and realizing that your players were probably only ready for level three and now you're one week um, closer to a championship game or a cup game and now you have to start again. Anyway, 
So it's always good to just start start from the start and kind of build up from there. And if you can build up quicker, then great. Um, so if you're lucky enough, like uh, myself now, in, in fairness with the the basketball, we were lucky enough to have access to the classroom and Microsoft Teams. And, and if you're if you have that kind of software, you can put in little speed technique drills or you know wall drives and stuff like that. So and you can kind of constantly monitor how they're getting on. So again, once we get back up and running, which I think will be fairly soon, by the look, well, please God, fairly soon with the run, the, the looks of things, um, we can kind of go into our acceleration stuff, very you know straight away, like you know. Um, so the main priority then, with your speed training and speed, obviously enough, your initial kind of acceleration five meters, is just repetition and rest. Um, so just make sure that your players have they've recovered kind of maximally before your sprinting again, because you know you're probably increasing your sprint repeatability more so than trying to work on actual speed at that stage if you're not giving the adequate rest times. Um, again, your your gym work will will kind of coincide with your speed work in, in the fact that like your strength and your plyos will will automatically or you know will help your your speed work as well. So plyos again start with your landing technique and start building up through the phases. Try and get your reaction stuff in then and get your advanced reaction stuff like your bounding and your depth jumps in um, as in that progression. Um, then then with your your agility. You know, your agility, the precursor of your agility is your change of direction. So when you start, when you come back, when I when I come back in, first thing I'll be looking at is my change of direction uh, technique. And then I'll be building it up to my agility, which is more, you know, agility is that response to a stimulus. So that'll be your game-like situations, or it could be just the addition of a, a kind of a barrier that they have to react to, like a ball bouncing or a player or a defender. Um they are the kind of ways I go and just kind of break it down a little bit kind of more, I suppose, when it comes to speed. Um, as I said, like start basic and focus on your paddle principle. Now, I, I kind of talked a small bit about the paddle principle a few weeks ago, um, the foreign gambetta, and just talking about your, you know, your posture, your arms and your legs. And just to focus primarily on one aspect at a time and just try and build up that way. As I said, if players are arm movements, leg movements, posture movement is great you know, is already fairly advanced, then you can kind of go up through the phases a lot quicker. But definitely start at the very start, uh, say with your, your leg movements, that with your wall drives, making sure that, you know, they're, they're punching their knees up and they're, they're driving back the floor. And then you can progress on to your, your, your A march and your A escape and stuff like that. Um, with your arms, I would, again, start them on the floor just with your hip to lip. Uh, then get them up into a standing position, half kneeling standing position. Then you go on to your A march in which you can kind of encompass both the, you know, the leg movements and the arm movements in your A march or your A escape and so on. And then for posture, same kind of aspect. You're looking at your wall drives initially just to get that lean, especially for acceleration. Uh, then you might go into like starting from a line down position so that you can um, just get that, that lean as they get up and keep that lean for, you know, that five meters or that 10 meters. Uh, so like a 45 degree angle, as we kind of know it as, um, just to make sure that they're, you know, they're punching backwards and propelling themselves forward uh, instead of propelling themselves up if they're, you know, in that straight, straight up position. Um, and then like you go into like your falling starts because you, you, well, everyone is kind of aware of this, like most athletes, when they, they get that initial response or get that initial reaction, like it's very uh, so, subconscious for them to kind of take a step back first before they step forward. And because of that, they're two steps behind somebody who steps forward first. So again, getting into your falling starts and then have it break into your reaction stuff then. So obviously enough, the first initial reaction is just you shouting go. So none of this would be on a, 
you shout and go be all at their own kind of pace and then then you would add in your I'm going to shout go and when I shout go I want you to explode forward you know into acceleration you could add in I know I think you like to do Danny was a cone you like a green cone red cone I think some people like to use numbers in which you call it number one call it number two one could be acceleration two could be reverse three could be get up and run the opposite way or whatever and you could add in as many numbers as you want just to have that reaction stimulus that they have to react to something. Um, and then from there, you're obviously kind of going to break it into your game-like situations. But I suppose first with that, like at the same time, you're going to be doing your change of direction stuff. So speed and change of direction will be from the very, very beginning of everything. Uh, so it'll be the same principle with your agility. It'll be your pal principle. You know, you're looking at your posture, you're looking at your arms, you're looking at your legs. And first thing you're going to do is you're going to add in one turn maybe. And just so that when they sprint to a certain position that they have to, you know, change their body position to make sure they're efficiently turning in the right way. So that might be just a 45 degree angle to start building up to your 90 degree angle and then a hundred and 80 degrees angle, you know, or, you know, even in some regards, 360, but that's very rare that you'd even do that. But like 180 would be ideal kind of progression. Um, Then you could add in a second turn maybe so that they have to sprint out, make a turn, and then sprint to another cone or another area of the, of the court and, you know, turn again at different angles. So you might have a 45-degree angle initially, then going into a 90-degree angle. So, again, you're just looking at body position. So how they move into the cone, how their, their shape or their posture is, are they kind of getting low to the ground? Is their knee pointing in the right direction once they get that turn? Or is their knee kind of pointed off a different direction, which means all their force isn't going in the way you want it to go? Um, so that, that kind of simple things. Where's their centre of mass? their centre of mass kind of two behind them or two in front of them so that they're not actually, you know, they're kind of falling over, you know, or they're kind of leaning to uh, the opposite direction. Um, and then you bring all of that into, like, open agility drills. So this, then you'll work on your speed and your agility through these open agility drills where, like, you have, like, maybe a mirror drill kind of initially, but then you might have one-on-one. So a player has to run to the opposite player and has to try and get around them. So you're, you're responding to that stimulus, but you're also creating a stimulus as well from the player who's running out. Um, so then you could go for two on two and then finally into your game situations. Um, so again, you can initially do this with a ball and then, you know, maybe one on one, two on two and then, you know, five on five with a ball. Um, and, and that's kind of where where you'd go. Air on the side of caution early on would be my advice for, for everything because no matter what they kind of tell you they're doing, you can probably be sure that 90% aren't, aren't doing as much as they you know, they say, because in fairness, for like the three month period, most people, I believe, didn't believe any sport was coming back. You know, uh, from the feedback I got now from involved with the Hurling team was we didn't do much because we felt we weren't back to January for preseason. Um, and I, I think everybody was in the same boat. So I err on the side of caution. Start from the beginning again, but you can build up through the phases depending on how the players react to that. And uh, just put a strong emphasis on the fact that. And we, we've said it a hundred times throughout the podcast. It's just to, you know, your priority as a strength and conditioning coach is to keep the player on the court. Um, so everything you do on this return to play is to make sure that the players are ready for court and to, to stay on the court, you know, and ready to play. So strength will be massive in that. Your conditioning is going to be massive in that. Speed training, where it's not going to be a massive component of keeping people on the court, it's going to affect their performance when they get on the court. And um, so in that stage, you're always going to do it. And I, I always do like speed, speed and agility training before training, no matter what 
time of the season or time of the season it is. So I wouldn't change that um, now just because players might not have the conditioning or the strength training that they might have had pre-lockdown. Um, so yeah, that that's the majority of my kind of stuff um, as regards mm-hmm. to that. And and Michael kind of mentioned the point. I think it was James maybe actually about bios. Um, and just they, they are like gym work, as I said, is, is majorly important. But bios, again, is, is going to help your speed in the long run. So they should be always kind of uh, brought into it as well. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, you've covered so much. I don't even think I have a question for you regarding. <laughs> I mean, you went into so much detail and you covered everything. I was kind of everything I had in my head, head I was going to ask you, you kind of covered. You went through progression, you went through closed open, you went through, you know, reaction to competition, you're airing on the side of the uh, caution and accelerations. That was. That's some really good stuff, dude. Um, so thanks for going into so much detail, mate. Yeah, sorry if I was talking too fast now. But... <laughs> no, you're fine, you're fine. Um, it's funny because people over here think I talk super fast, but then I was like, you haven't met anyone I used to know in Ireland, Jesus. Um, <laughs> so what I'm, what I'm going to do right now then is just, with all the information that you guys have, have, have just said, I'm going to kind of lay out what I, what I would do or a kind of basic example of what I would do kind of based on the stuff that you guys have said. So. I'm going to break it down into things we talked about. You know, we'll start with the strength training. So if I, if I was to take an, take an athlete, right, who hasn't been doing much, and I'm not sure what the status of gyms is over there, or even if the fact that if they are open, whether um, athletes would be, you know, willing to go into a gym at this point. So I would start with maybe a, an AA phase or, you know, for a couple of weeks, depending on how long they've been off, you know, looking at the key movements, maybe some of it like a goblet squat or a counterbalance squat, some kind of pressing some kind of split squat variant, some hip front, some hip hinging and stuff like that all around then. I'd probably start, you know, with about two of those a week and maybe add in an additional kind of core exercise a day where you might, you know, start looking at, you know, working in some distances, you know, your bear crawl hold or your hollow hold or your foam roller dead bug and start to create some core tension and core activation again. And then maybe, you know, you're talking about contact, some of that crawling, <clears throat> crawling stuff and rotational stuff might help when you get back into the contact of playing basketball um, once that's kind of done, I would go like like James would talk about. Depending obviously on their on their on their training age, I would probably push them more towards a one by twenty program. Or you know you know I mean you having you know if you if you've got limited time, you know one by twenty program works well because you can just pick five exercises, do that one by twenty. But you're looking at you know, once again the same kind of exercises. You're you're some kind of squat variant, you're pressing variant, you're um, pulling variant, you're hip hinging variant, stuff like that. Um, I would also really recommend that you know even in the AA phase that people start looking at their isometrics and you know, look at maybe an ISO split lunge, a Captain Morgan isometric, a Copenhagen isometric, you know, even like a, you know, like a hamstring runner ISO, stuff like this to kind of keep that contraction between maybe the calf and hamstring going a little bit better so that we don't see as many knee issues that are going to be going when you do return to the sport. Um, when it comes to the kind of conditioning and speed side of things, you know, we're going to talk about accelerations and Deck, you made a really good point in that, you know, you're erring on the side of caution um, and you talked about, you know, being in the classroom and going through drills and stuff like that. For uh, for me, if you were going to say over a six week period, and you're talking about tempo running and then speed work separately, I would probably get them to do about two weeks of their tempo running first before we get into the speed work, just because tempo running is at about seventy percent, right? You know, if this is if they're not already playing their sport, right? But you know, if you're looking at kind of building that little bit of, you know, you, you have that kind of soft seventy percent pace, and you have that technical stuff that you can work on as you're doing it, and then if if you are looking at tempo running depending on your aerobic kind of ability, there's a few ones I would always run with. So, you know, you're looking at it for over a six week period to maybe the first week you're doing three sets or, or four reps at like, you know, 60 meters of distance. And so you're looking at maybe starting on a rolling clock of 75 seconds. And at the end of the six weeks, maybe keeping the same distance, but increasing that to three sets of eight reps and working on a 60 second um, clock. And what I would say to anyone is they're looking, if they're looking to try to figure out their tempo running and they have an idea what tempo running is, 
put it very simply into um, a, a Google Sheets file or an Excel file and look at the overload per week. And you're looking to maybe just try the maximum of 15% of an overload. So if your first week is say, the total distance of the first week is 720 meters and the second week should be roughly, you know, 8, 840 or then up to 1,000, up to 1140 and then whatever. So you are getting that progression. You're not spiking it anywhere. Of course, you want to kind of keep with tempo running, you know, you want to kind of working maybe around that heart rate, 145 to 147. Um, you know, between reps, you kind of want to get it, you know, around 130 or lower. You want to take that kind of three to four minutes between the sets that you, you know, of rest. Everything's at 70% and really, you know, relaxation between all the reps and also that every rep should kind of look similar. You know, the last rep should look the same as, as the first rep. And that's kind of what you want to look at when it comes to your tempo running. And then if you are a little bit more advanced, you can change, obviously, just the distance that you're running, maybe from 60 meters to 80 meters if you're kind of intermediate and all the way up to 100 meters if you are kind of already got an advanced level of conditioning. Um, but realistically, if you already have advanced level of conditioning, maybe that's where you should be. You probably don't need to put too much time into it. When it comes to the speed work, like I said, I, I like putting that in about two weeks. We have two weeks of tempo running, so we have if we've done nothing, right? Then then we can maybe add in our speed work after two weeks. Um, you know, and like like talk like Deck talked about, you start with them kind of, you know, you, we say we call it acceleration phase one or whatever. We talk with just more drills. Uh, so maybe your, your wall drive switch, your kind of loader smash, a a march, a skip bound, whatever. And then when it comes to accelerations, maybe something over short enough distances, you know, 15, 20 meters of your falling starts, your stomach starts, three-point starts, stuff like that. And then you're just progressing it on week by week, you know, so you might increase the distance a little bit, but, you know, you're still looking to keep every rep and really, really sufficient technique-wise. And then maybe week three, you might look at starting into maybe some flying tens and stuff like that and leading on to stuff like your your hill sprints and making it a logical progression as you go along. Uh, when it comes to, you know, I know we touched a little bit on plyometrics. I mean, I would actually, if, if you were going to start adding in plyometrics and you were doing two strength sessions a week, core session maybe i would probably act and add in some basic level landing mechanics or maybe some snap downs or you know maybe early level like squat jumps or non-counter movement jumps in with that kind of in with that kind of a third core or the third session being the core session a week so you kind of are maybe only doing about 20 minutes of work you're still getting some good work in um, and then once again just a logical progression you know from your snap downs right through to your like i said your non-counter movement and your counter movement and just squat jump ball jump skater hops you know you're making sure that you can control the force first and then keep producing more then you know looking onto your pogo and your ankle hops and then eventually being able to you know do a drop jump without it hurting for weeks and days afterwards um so that's kind of all of it and then how i would structure it um you know it's this is like i'll give you a very like we talk about that high low approach um it's very very individualized to what your team sport are doing right now and i can't emphasize this enough you know play the sport as much as you can especially when it comes to change of direction and deceleration and stuff like that, you know, you want to be as, and we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the kind of close to open. Once your technique is slightly sufficient, you really need to work on them game light reactions. because That's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck when you are trying to improve your change of direction. Um, so if we are looking at how we would schedule it, you know, a high low approach is, uh, is the best way to do it. So, you know, you're looking, I would say week one, like I said, we probably wouldn't do any speed works. I would maybe get to, if you've done nothing, I would get two weeks of tempo running in first. That could obviously be different. If you're already playing the sport, then maybe you actually need to start doing some speed work, make sure that you can, you know, be comfortable with them high speed runs. Um, so, you know, maybe a very simple week could be Monday, you might do a strength session, Tuesday tempo, Wednesday, you do your rest and recovery, um, core and landing mechanics on Thursday, tempo running on the Friday, and then your strength training on the Saturday, and then you rest on Sunday. Now, that's just if you're not doing any sports yet, but obviously when you add in sports, you might take out. A conditioning session you might take out a strength session to kind of match your sports and as the load gets a little bit higher you know you're looking at 
you know, it might be Monday, it might be your high day with your speed and your strength. And then your, your Tuesday might be your tempo running with your deceleration and agility. For us to recover on Wednesday, speed work in the morning on a on a Thursday, core and landing mechanics or plyometrics kind of in the evening and stuff like that. And you just want to kind of keep building up that load. And a big thing is, is when you're returning to training, you know, you want to make sure that you are con- for the most part controlling the load that and we did we did a lot on monitoring recovery a couple of weeks ago but like setting yourself out a very simple session rp sheet like a week or session log or whatever is really important you know it takes 30 seconds to do but plan out your week you know if, if you're going to say that your strength session on monday was real hard and 60 minutes in the rp was like an eight or nine you know out of ten then that's already 540 rg units straight away you know if, you're, if your first week is coming from zero units up to 2500 well there might be some issues there so Plan out what you're going to do. Your tempo running might be 20 minutes wrong. It might be a, you know, we're looking at a 70% intensity or like, so that might be a seven out of 10. That's 140 units. If you did a whole week, it might come out around 1,400 units, something like that. But what you want to do then is you still have all this data and keep pushing it on. And like I said, just make sure that you are progressing on with your load that you are going to be able to tolerate what what an actual week would look like when you're in season. Um, And then recovery strategies are, are going to be, like everything, right? You know, sleep and nutrition are number one, a number joint number one things that are going to make you perform better. Um, but make sure you are kind of tracking your recovery as well. To, you know, how's your mood state? You know, how how is your sleep? How is your nutrition and heart heart rate? Maybe your hydration stuff like this. Track it and give yourself an idea when maybe you could do a little more. Maybe you're feeling really good and feeling really fresh. Um, and that's kind of what I would recommend. You know, I know there's a lot to that. Is it? Do you guys have any questions on that? Uh, just if I could clarify something after if, uh, about something yeah, I said. Um, just it was kind of listening to, to Deck there about the speed kind of reminded me of something that uh, I should clarify with. You know, when I started, started I, uh, I spoke about how I think, you know, the, the strength work is the most important. And, you know, I think it's, I know as a coach, it's, I always kind of find myself thinking of what's, what's going to keep more so an athlete injury free as opposed to develop. You know, I think that's kind of the most important thing is keeping on the court. And especially now when it, we have such time constraints. So just to clarify, you know, I, I, I push the, you know, strength work, but I really mean that early on, the strength, you know, that in the GPP early on, if you have 10 weeks, those first few weeks, I think I would always focus on the strength, but just something Dex said, uh, you know, and I think, you know, he said the speed, obviously the speed is important for, you know, for getting, getting faster. You got to do speed work, but I think a big area for speed work is the injury prevention side. So, while I would start with a big focus, if you have 10 weeks now, let's say if you got to play on the strength work and you know the, the higher volume things, do not go back on the court without doing some speed work because it's, it's going to be the easiest way to, uh, to pick up an injury. You know, some of the short sprints, accelerations and change of directions and the, the, the forces are going to go through your legs. You have to prepare for that. So, you know, focus on the strength thing. But as you get close to the season, plyos, sprinting, that speed work is going to be just so, so important. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like I was saying earlier, you know, like like if you're going to, like I said, talk about maybe doing some tempo running for a couple of weeks before you do your speed work, and that's just me saying if you've done nothing, don't go out and do a 100% yeah, sprint because exactly. you're going to cause yourself some kind of injury. I like the fact that if you have some structure to it and you do a couple of weeks of tempo running at that 70%, you can actually kind of, you know, when you're doing that 70%, you can still practice that acceleration, push off. It just doesn't have to be at maximal speed. And then once you've got that kind of base beneath you, then you can start getting into that high-speed running again. The surface is such a huge thing, especially now. People are probably running on grass and things, but you know, be prepared that the surface makes a huge distance and, or a difference when you do start getting back on a court. Uh, you know, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to matter, really. So get you know, ease into it if you haven't been on a court in a long time. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Mike, Deck, anything you guys want to add? No, I think I, a lot has been covered there now, so I'm, I'm fairly good now with that. There's definitely a lot of information being given there. And I... Perfect, perfect. Mike, yourself, anything? No, I mean, no, I think we have a lot of information there. We've, we've pretty much like laid out a whole program in less than an hour or so. A lot of information in there. I just didn't want any young lads yeah. thinking just go lift weights, kind of. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Yeah, stuff. I mean, and this is a, like you know, I hate the word unprecedented because you hear it every every two seconds, but it is like we've never seen this before. So it's really important that if anyone does have any questions, that I do message us and we can clarify more stuff on it. Um, yeah, 100%. Well, so what what I'll do is like I always do, just tell everyone where they can find you. So we'll, and then we'll, we'll uh, wrap it up and. We'll maybe have a discussion afterwards, guys, about what we're going to do when it comes to the next basketball podcast. So, Mike, do you want to start with yourself? Where can people find you on Instagram and stuff? Yeah, sure. So, again, on Instagram, it's just Michael Stack. And, um, I don't know, we would have been doing a lot of work on all of the the kind of elements of included in what we spoke about. So, if anybody has any questions, I'm sure you can just send me a message and we'll help you out. For sure, for sure. Deck, what about you? Have you... Have you gone to your promise of putting more stuff in your Instagram yet or is it still the same? Still the same. Not, not really <laughs> but, um, you, can get, you can get me still on the Instagram and I, I am threatening to put up some more stuff and some you know, <laughs> my experiences so surely one of these days I will have some stuff up there that you can look at. So. <laughs> okay. What about you James? Where can people find you? Yeah, I'd really just on the on Instagram so my own personal page James Lucknan or uh, Why Not Me Athlete Development um not putting much up right now, but, you know, I really, you know, if anyone, I'm not, I'm not doing as much coaching as I like to do right now during this time. So really, any questions, send them on. I'm happy to, happy to help anyone out if they uh, want advice on training or whatever. For sure, for sure. Okay, guys, as always, thank you so much. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out in the next couple of weeks. I've still got about, I don't know, about five or six more return to play stuff to do with people. And when that's done, we'll sit down and we'll do another basketball one. So um, thank you so much, guys, and I'll talk to you yeah. soon, okay? Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you for listening. Um, once again, we kind of are going through all the aspects of strength condition and these return to training series. Um, I also have like a return to training template, so if any athletes are listening and they want to... Um, just something kind of basic enough and we can chat about what we would adjust. It has like a beginner, intermediate and advanced part of each one. We kind of go with that kind of AA phase, that one by 20 approach of tempo runs. How we would build our speed training, sorry, how we would build our speed training, how we would build our plyometrics and stuff like that. So if anyone wants one of those, feel free to, um, to email me or text me or Instagram me or WhatsApp me or whatever if you have my number and I'll send you out one. Uh, we have two more episodes in this series to come. We're going to talk to Dave Williamson about the kind of interesting topic of, you know, returning to swimming and how all the changes that are there. And also Neil O'Kane in returning to rugby and all the stuff that he's doing with his, his setups. Then after that series is done, we're going to come back in and we're going to talk to Andrew Gill again. We're going to talk to Jack Clark and a, a bunch more. We've got loads lined up. So once again, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed.